Now listening to Lost Cast, the Lost Decade Games podcast. Welcome to Lost Cast, episode 231. I'm Matt Hackett. And I'm Jeff Blair. All right. I am really eager to talk about Wonder Boy, The Dragon's Trap. Last episode, we talked about how it's the game club game of the week. I want to go for weekly. I don't know. That's that's is pretty aggressive because I don't have the next one lined up. Oh, no. You're bad at this. <laughs> exactly. I should never run a club. Um, also, after that, you want to talk about uh, the Game Masters, the exhibition in San Diego, which sounds really cool. Yeah. I want to hear about that. Um, we're never going to get to code intent, uh, intent ever. We also have uh, at least two questions on the back burner. We want to talk about Castlevania. You've got design patterns, component size, component, help me with this word, componentized? Maybe a, it's is that possibly a word? a word that I made up, like, what was it the other day? I was talking to someone at Plato, and I used the term robustify. Oh, I use that in, like, ticket names. So it'd be like robustify observer seats or something. Right, yeah. Hey, making up uh, words is part of being a programmer. I've decided. I think it's uh, it's like performant, right? Like, isn't performant in that same category? It's like sort of like a programmer made up word. Yeah, and performance is very uh, contextual too, right? Because if it's if it's Jeff Blair, you're talking to performance. You're like you know optimization, right? But if mm-hmm. you're talking to you know me when I'm wearing a certain hat or a certain other indie developers, it's performance in the market, right? Yeah, very contextual. Um, before we do that, though, we do not have any new patrons this week, but um, I want to shout out to, there's like a dozen or so patrons who've been with us since the very beginning. This is 2016, January, year and a wow. half. Yeah, and, and they've been with us since the very beginning. So um, forgive the butchering. I'm not going to go through every name and, and apologize for each individual name, but... <laughs> Um, I will butcher some of these, and I apologize if uh, if you'd like me pronounce it correctly next time. Just shoot me a because uh, these are all patrons. Just shoot me a patron um, private message, and then um, learn me, <laughs> educate the mat to uh, on how to pronounce your name correctly. So um, I want to give a shout out to to these fine fellows. <clears throat> Patreon's um, sorting tools are not great, so these are not in any kind of order whatsoever. Other than um, these are the ones that have been with us since the beginning. So I thank you too. I'm just going to go down the list here. Vox, David Waller, Ben Sparks, David, I'm going to say Balada, uh, uh-oh, Branislav Hosto, James Watson, Rob Stenzinger, um, Oliver Scamberg, Tippin, Lucas Rowe, Kelly Mazarowski, a uh, friend of mine that's right here in LA, Renee Hangstrup Mahler, uh, Dan Nagel, Anton Fletcher, we got Greg, whoops, and last but not least we got bradley mandershide so awesome butchering has uh stopped <laughs> butchering complete <laughs> i know i got some of them right i bet <laughs> the my easy ones yeah the easy ones the softball names the softball names i yes. got i got ben sparks correct i know it <laughs> congratulations 100 <laughs> percent. anyway you can pronounce three letter words i can yeah good for me ben i can say ben um yeah so i just wanted to shout out and and we'll continue i'll I'll try to do that again with like the february ones because there's a bunch of those too and uh that's a nice thing right because it's you know you sign up and um you you support us month by month so it's it's nice to get something else other than just like a you know one time thank you so we'll keep that going awesome well we appreciate it yeah thanks a lot it means a lot to us um, okay, so I want to... There's, there's so much I want to talk about. I really feel like we have three episodes in the backlog at this point. 
that's great because we're probably going to make at least three more episodes. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I planned on living at least three more weeks. Right. <laughs> um, and I have, I mean, as I've been talking about week by week, there's stuff I want to talk about and I'm excited to talk about, but I'm really hot on um, Wonder Boy, the Dragon's Tale right now, or Dragon's Trap. Sorry. This is like <laughs> uh, polar opposite of Doom, I feel like. Yeah. If you had to get to... Okay, AAA, Bethesda, id, some of the biggest, you know, game studios, publishers in the biz. Doom, like, I mean, come on. Is, is there a big ol- bigger first-person shooter franchise in the world? It's kind of the one that started it all with regards to FPS, right? It's huge. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have this weirdo indie side-scrolling platformer, which is pixelated which is all of the things you're not supposed to make anymore, right? All of the advice is like, don't make a pixelated game, which to be fair, it's not um, all pixelated, right? Um, It's a weird game. It's a weirdo game. I was more referring to the fact that I was preparing myself for a barrage of complaints. Oh, oh no, you're going to get those. (laughs) I have. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. So looking at my notes here, I have um, 10 bullet points about what I thought was fantastic. And then, oh, an equal amount. So the best that I can do, even a game I'm obsessed with and I'm, I'm really in love with at the moment, I'm gonna, it's going to be equal parts uh, praise and then equal parts bitching about this or that. <laughs> it's the best <laughs> I can do. <laughs> um, I at least have like, um, yeah, I know where to start because I have so much to say about this. Let's um, start from the beginning. Yeah, let's do it. I also played, so I will interject my thoughts from time to time. Oh, do it. Yeah. So did you buy it today? I did. I bought it this morning. So proud of you. I'm like a, you know, the guy that does his homework like on the bus on the way to school. (laughs) I was gonna say, yeah, you're the one. Like you, you jump into class right when the bell's going off, and you sit down, and the teacher's like making eyes at you, but can't really say anything because you sat down on time. Mm -hmm. They're like, there's that that Blair kid. (laughs) You're not getting sent to the office today. But I I played some. What? uh, How long did you play? What did you play? Did you just run around? Did you get to be the dragon? Yeah. Yay! You get the gist of it. That's pretty much what the game's about. Yeah, I uh, I got to be the dragon, and then, you know, I went and explored, like, the little town area. Um, And then I went to a beach, and there were some crabs and, like, oh, some underwaterness. Yeah. Um, and then I played with the retro settings, which are I found to be very cool. Oh, they're super cool. Um, and that, that's really about the extent of my playthrough. Um, But, I mean, I'll have more little... You know, I, I had a few little things that I could talk about along the way, but let's hear, let's start with your thoughts. This, yeah, I got a lot to say. So, um, I mean, we want to get to at least two topics today. Like I want to get to your game masters thing. Um, and I hope we get there, but I, I do have a lot to say. I'm going to go through it. So, okay, let's start from the beginning. Wonder Boy 3, The Dragon's Trap is the game that I first played. This came out in 1989. And as I mentioned in the previous episode, Sega Master System hits this weird place in my heart because it is to me... I have to admit, it's like discount Nintendo. It's just not as good as Nintendo in almost every way, right? Whether it's the library, like the games that are available for it, or the hardware itself. You know, it's just... But, but the thing is, is you, it gave us games like... I'm looking over here in my collection. The original Fantasy Star. Wow! Like, what uh, What an amazing game, especially for when it came out. Golden Axe Warrior. Arguably, maybe the very first clone of Zelda ever which those are still being made today by, you know, dudes like us and right. like AAA studios, right? One of the very first clones of Zelda ever made is Golden Axe Warrior only for the Sega Master System. That's amazing, right? And it's also one of the closest clones. 
um, Miracle Warriors, an excellent RPG, and then stuff like Wonder Boy. And Wonder Boy is a really interesting franchise because um, I want to say the first ones were like these strange, just kind of not auto runners quite, but they might as well have been. <clears throat> and they're made like arcade style, like just eat my quarters, right? But with Wonder Boy 3, they wanted to make a game that you can play for a long time. It was It's really a Metroidvania. That's what it is. Before um, Super Metroid, before Symphony of the Night, probably, I, yeah, it gotta be before even Castlevania 3. You know, what it is, it's totally a Metroidvania. There's no maps, but there is this, you know, sprawling, um, I mean, you know what I mean, there's no, uh, you can't hit start and view your map, right? But there is this big sprawling world with areas that you unlock by getting new abilities and stuff, right? Right. So it is really a Metroidvania, maybe one of the first ones. Um, it's one of the few games, too, because, like, of all of these Sega Master System games I mentioned, I played a lot of them to death. I don't think I've beaten a single one of them, and it boils down to they're just kind of crappy, if I'm being honest, you know? <laughs> like, Golden Axe Warrior is just awful. The controls are terrible. You know, I played a lot of that game. Um, Fantasy Star was very playable, but I didn't beat it because the batteries died on me. Imagine that. Like, that doesn't exist, exist anymore, right? Like, the batteries in the cartridge just stopped working. Oh, wow. Craziness. So you lost your save state or whatever? Yeah. And I was like level 25. The max was 30. I was right near um, the last boss. It really it ripped me up. I actually ended up opening the cartridge and replacing like the watch battery in there. It's mm. crazy. But at that point, you know, that's a long game. Right. Um, anyway, I'm trying to set the stage for Sega Master System games and how, like, at the time, you know, we're still learning. We're still. In 1989, I mean, just think about that. You know, like, we didn't have all of these decades of games to look at, and, like, this is how you make a good game, right? And I think that Wonder Boy 3, The Dragon's Trap, had lots of issues, and I'll mention those later. Lots of things I didn't like about the game, but it was playable enough that I beat it as a kid, and that, to me, felt like a big accomplishment, because for whatever reason, as much as I enjoyed the Sega Master System, its games I just found to be unplayable in a lot of ways, right? So, The Dragon's Trap always had a special place in my heart, because to me, if you look at, you know, if I would name my favorite Sega Master System games, it would probably be stuff like Fantasy Star and Miracle Warriors and stuff. Like, Wonder Boy 3 would be there, but the reason it gets, you know, raised to the top, it gets promoted, is because I beat it. And that says a lot, you know? Um, oh, yeah. If you can go all the way through a game, it definitely says something. Yeah, especially a Metroidvania like this. Like, you can probably sit down and beat it in, like, five, ten, maybe. Like, I don't think it'd take even that long. But, like, you can, to give you context, you can speed run it in 30 minutes, right? So, it's, nice. like, that's about the length of it. Um, to this day, I still listen to the music. Uh, it's still in my playlists. Um, anyway, it's, it's an important game to me. I like it a lot. And when I found out that there was going to be a remake... I was really excited. And it's one of these few games where I've been following. Um, it was published by Dot Emu and it was um, developed by Lizard Cube. I'll put, let's see, where's my show notes? I'll put links to this stuff in the show notes. These are cool companies. Check them out. I started following, like, this is one of those rare instances where I am now following, like, every developer. Involved. Every, yeah, everyone. Like, I, I'm, I'm a little obsessed at this point. So. It, it's a really interesting game, too, because um, let's say you're going to remake a game. The sky's the limit, right? Especially when you've got this gulf of time from 1989 to 2017. They could have redone it in 2.5D. They could have, have we seen, like, we talk a lot about, like, the trying thing. They could have made it, like, you know, inspired by, and they could have made it a 3D game. Like, um, mm. like open world, walking around, and, and like, a, not just a side-scoring platformer. Right? Like they they could have gone crazy. It feels like it shows a lot of restraint that they didn't do that 
Yeah, and I think... Yeah, except first the restraint kind of bugged me because what they did was they took the exact game and I think it's been probably, you know, reprogrammed. It doesn't seem like they took the code somehow whole hog, right? It, it looks more like they kind of um, tried to reproduce what was there before just using the like, modern code and crap, right? I was slight detour. Uh, I don't really know anything about .emu, but I was kind of curious, like when I saw that flash on the screen, I was like, is this an like is the engine being emulated or is that just like some kind of that's just yeah. what the name of that company is it doesn't really have anything to do with emulation so so dot emu is uh is really just the publisher uh french video game company created in 2007 content delivery yeah it does almost feel though like um like an emulated game right because the the programmers who i believe probably remade um you know with modern code pretty exacting right like it feels a lot like the original game and i'm talking about the flaws too right like um it's it's a real kind of slidey game you know we talk a lot about spelunky and we love um the the tightness of it you can turn on a dime you can stop um with no sliding or anything and wonder boy the dragon's trap one of the reasons that i feel like it's it's a difficult game is because there's a lot of slop you know there's a lot of sliding and like when there's some heavy platforming like these like this if it's like a one by one tile you have to jump on top of it's very difficult because if you just land on it you just whoop you just slide right off right like you've right. got to turn around and they brought all that in there and and they um i think they were very faithful with how they reproduced that yeah i don't really have the perspective of playing the original um but when i was playing it like it especially when you have the retro mode on like it yeah feels like a game from that era Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things that's so cool about the game is it's pretty much the original game and you can go into the options like it's all been hand painted. Um, I'll talk about the animator and the artist and everything. It looks so beautiful, but you can you can hit the right trigger anytime. I played it on uh, Xbox One, but it's also available on Steam right now. And if you hit the right trigger anytime, the screen kind of wipes. Did you try that when you're playing it? No, I didn't. It's um, really cool. What do you mean by wipes? So, like a transition, like you know, like a Star Wars wipe, right? When oh, you go from you one can... scene to another, like a like a vert- uh, a horizontal, a vertical line that goes from like the left to the, to the right of the screen, like a wipe. Right, but I mean, does that change change from retro to modern? Correct, and back and forth. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see. I was like hitting start, going to like options, retro, checking the box. Yes. So, and that does get to one of my first um, complaints. First of first of many, but. I mean, again, like, this is just who I am, all right? Even the things I love, I'm going to poke holes in and uh, criticize, right? But it's so awesome. And that's one of the, the talking points of the game is that you can hit the right trigger and it and it wipes back and forth the graphics. And that's how faithful the game is, is when you wipe it, you are playing the original game again. Like, I played the original. I have still, well, I have a Sega CD with a Sega Master System hookup, but, like, I have the original hardware to actually play it. And mm-hmm. I beat the game when I was a kid. I I know the feel of it, right? And it feels like spot on. And the look the look is magnificent, you know? That's pretty cool. I wonder, like you were saying earlier, like, I wonder if they just recreated the engine faithfully using modern tech uh, or or something else. Yeah. It, so It'd be really interesting to know how they did that. I would like to know more too. Um, and, oh man, see, I have so much to say. That's one of the things. I, I went and actually watched, um, there's three dev diaries, and I went and watched all three, and they talk a little bit about this. Like, they went and talked to the original um, creator of Wonder Boy, and on this game, this person, um, oh, I should have written his name down. I probably would have butchered it anyway. Um, 
was a designer and programmer. And they were asking him questions like, did you have a design document when you were making this game? And he was like, well, there's no need for it because I was the designer and the programmer. So it was all mm-hmm. just in my head. And I just made right. it. That's amazing. You know? Excuse me. That is cool. Uh, here's some foreshadowing for you. Ooh. <laughs> When I went to the Game Masters exhibition, they had a bunch of like uh, game design documents and notebooks from, uh, you know, old games Mm. on display as well. I love it. Yes. There's uh, a, I'll I'll think of this later. There's this um, Tumblr I got to, I'll talk about, which has like, um, it highlights stuff like that. I'm looking forward to it. Was it like letters of note, but for game design documents? Yeah, and um, one thing I saw, because there's a bunch of really cool just like drawings from games and, you know, concept art. And uh, one thing I saw on this site that really blew my mind was the um, original graph paper that the developers were using to like plot out uh, and design the maps for the original Dragon Quest, Dragonware for NES. Nice. And I was like, I just see that. And that to me is, is literally like, like, uh, buried treasure right didn't i feel like i came across something like that for zelda one yeah like uh you know i, I don't love know, it probably six months or a year ago at this point i, I no love idea. it i love it because all those games t- when you're a kid and you play them they're just these magical things that just appeared out of nowhere you had no idea how they were made they didn't even feel like they were made by humans you know like we just we did, had no information like we do these days where like it's so cool. I can go follow Lizard Cube. I can go follow the artist and the programmer on these games and, and like read, you know, tweets and blog posts by them and stuff. And back then it was like, here's Zelda. I don't know. It's magical. It, it came like <laughs> delivered from on high. It just appeared magically. You know what I mean? Right. Um, it and came so into just, the world fully formed. It, that's what it felt like. And it's perfect. Like the games were, were amazingly good back then, even without... You know, I keep talking about all these like decades of um, examples that people can can use now to make better games. None of that. It was just here's here's like a nearly perfect game, came out of nowhere. Just accept it. Um, <laughs> I am not finding this Tumblr here. We are way into the weeds here. Yes. All right. I'm gonna get back on track. Screw this. I'm close these tabs. Okay. So, um, Sega Master System D make, and that's so. I want to talk a little bit about like the hooks, right? Because we've talked about games need hooks especially if you're going to be making because if you turn on all the retro options this is just a side-scrolling platformer pixelated indie game which you're going to get lost in the mix if you make that today right, right. like that's that's the advice that you see from successful developers like indie, other indie developers is like don't make that and that's what this game is but it's got so many great hooks one of them being the fact that you can hit the right trigger and it switches between like a, a really great um remake of the original game Versus here's the original game to a T, but with beautiful hand-drawn graphics. The animation is unbelievable. The backgrounds are like painted. They look like watercolor. There's so much texture in the game. There's areas where you can see uh, the like the flaws of the canvas, where you can see that it was, you know, like construction paper that has very like textural and it has even like little black dots or like imperfections on it. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that um, the artist, um, I'm going to mess up his name, Ben Fiquet, I believe. It's He's French. It's F-I-Q-U-E-T. I think it's, it's Fiquet. It's uh, really good art. It, it's amazing. Um, yeah. One of the prettiest games I've, I've ever seen. And it's like, it's just my style too. Like when I look at that, I'm like, that's what I wish that I could make. You know what I mean? Because I see a right. lot of games and I'm like, that's cool. That looks pretty. They're not quite you know, the kind of thing that I want to make. You know, something like 
I don't know, Ori in the Blind Forest. Like, it looks gorgeous, but it's not, like, my thing. You know what I mean? Right. And this is. This is, like, nail on the head. That's that's the kind of game that I want to make. I want I, I just want to follow this dude and just copy him whole hog. <laughs> it's, like, the kind of art <laughs> that you would want to make, right, yes. for yourself. Yeah, if I could draw like that, I would die a happy man. So, <laughs> I can see the target that I want to hit. But it's right. just gorgeous. I could talk all day about um, the animations, especially when you compare the original has, like, um two frame walking animation animations right like beep, 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 just like the left right left right kind of thing yeah. and it's cute and it works but then you know you hit the right trigger and you switch back to the modern day stuff and it's perfect like there's they took um no shortcuts with the hand-drawn animations it's really amazing i wonder if they used i mean Again, like uh, with the game code, right? Like, I wonder if they used the original source sprites, if they remastered the pixel art. Uh, right. It feels yeah. like they they probably must have, because even the pixel art looks good, right? I mean, it looks bad in the sense that it's it, dated. It looks like 1989. Right. But, like, the, you know, it's not blurry. It's not, you know, it doesn't it's feel crisp. stretched or anything. It's very, it's very crisp pixels. Yeah. They did great there. So... You know, I keep getting off track here, but that's what I was talking about earlier is the developers, um, they are French. It's a French team. And they were talking to um, the uh, Japanese creator of the original, the programmer and designer. And this is what I love, too, because, you know, that's another one of the hooks is, is the fact that it's made uh, or it's a remake of, of a kind of a cult classic, right? Like there's a built in fan base like me. If this was just, you know, oh, a dragon game, like maybe I would have found it. It looks really pretty. There's, there's a ton of games, though. There's like a hundred games I've been meaning to play. I don't know if I actually would have taken the time. I certainly would have become as obsessed with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but like the remake, a lot of times they'll be like, hey, what's a popular IP, right? Like my wife has worked for companies like this where they're, maybe it comes from a place of passion. Maybe they're like, you know, oh, we love, you know, I don't know, like some Disney thing and we want to remake it. But sometimes it comes from, oh, that's popular right now, right? That's a TV show that's doing gangbusters, like a Game of Thrones or something. And we just want to make a game on it because it'll do well like the market wants it right right this game came from a place of the programmer on the game just loved the original dragon uh dragon's trap and reached out to the creator and was like hey um i'm wondering if there's any hidden maps like i've been looking everywhere if there's any hidden doors i want to know all if there's more secrets so he started sending him um actual game files right and that's what got the ball rolling is like, oh, here's here's our map data. You can look at it. And then eventually, like, here's some of the code and here's some of the sprites. And they were like, well, I'm just going to remake this then. You know, I'll talk to the publisher. I get it funded or whatever. I don't know what happened behind the hood, but I love that it came from a place of I just love this game. I want to know more about it. And, oh, it just kind of happens. I'm going to remake it now. Right. Like the stars aligned or whatever. Right. That's so awesome. It came from a place of just like I'm a player and I love your game. That's How do you cool. beat that? Yeah. Oh, so it wasn't the original programmer of the game. It was just a programmer who was like enamored with this game previously and reached out to the original designers. Correct. I see. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And check this out. Um, ben Fike, um is a animator and artist. Uh, he's got like a YouTube channel. Like you should totally check that out. Um, and when I was, because I, I mean, okay, there's a thin line between stalking and just, hey, follow me. Because, you know, people link to their stuff. I got a Tumblr and an Instagram and a YouTube. Like, okay, I, I might follow you on one thing if I find, if I stumble upon you or whatever, right? But when I'm like, oh, this game is great. Like, I'm really digging this. I'm going to click on all the links and subscribe everywhere. And I'm going to watch all your YouTube videos because I'm an obsessive guy. <laughs> and in Ben's 
uh, portfolio on his YouTube channel, guess what he's got? An Alex Kidd HD remake. Oh. And I love that because, you know, the indie advice or like getting into the games industry would be along the lines of like, what is it that you want to do? And you're like, well, I don't know. I want to make my own games and, you know, maybe remake some of my favorites and stuff. And it's like, well, just do it. Right. And like, that's got to be one of the ways that Ben and the other developers were probably able to pitch the game and, and get it made. Right. Was, hey, you know, I'm, I'm an animator. I'm an artist. And I did this Alex Kidd HD remake video. It's not a complete game. Right. It's it's just a, a demo kind of, but it like it looks gorgeous and look what you could do with, with these skills that I have, you know? All right. Like, well it lets people like taste what the final product can look like. It's not just like, hey, we want to remake this indie game and you have this vague image of what it might look like, you know? Like right. in your head you're like, uh, what's is that gonna be good? I don't know. Right. But uh when you can see some concrete evidence that's nice. Exactly. Yeah. And, and basically what I was doing is looking and seeing the breadcrumbs. I'm like, how did this get made? And like some of it was, you know, explained in the video, right? Like, oh, I reached out to the to the original developer and yada, yada. But then part of it, you can see this, this kind of trail, you know? And like, I think that Alex Kid HD remake was, I mean, it's a Sega Master System game. It's kind of a cult classic and, and it looks amazing, even though it's like this quick little thing. It's not a real game. It's just like, you know, a little bit of the first level. But it plants the seed, right? It shows you, wow, you know, you sit this dude down for two years and give him a project, like he will make something that looks gorgeous, right? Nice. All right. Um, so I want to talk about the game itself here. And I've got my notes now. Um, this is really cool. I just, just like every time they can do something, I felt like they did it right. So the game is called Wonder Boy, The Dragon's Trap. I took the three out just to simplify it, and also it helps with the, the disambiguation, right? Like, are you talking about the SMS original, or are you talking about the modern remake, right? right. And I love the, um, the inclusiveness of this. When you, you, there's a cursor on the title screen, you can select, you know, like play or whatever. If you move the cursor up to the title of the game, Wonder Boy, The Dragon's Trap, and you select it, it now becomes Wonder Girl, The Dragon's Trap. Huh. And you can play as Wonder Girl. And she looks just like Wonder Boy, but she's a girl. And it's amazing. And I, I love... That's exactly the kind of thing I would want to see in our games. You know, like the the inclusiveness. And even with a game called, like, Wonder Boy, it's there in the title, right? Like, just whoop, flip it on its head. Bam. Right? It's, like, more welcoming and more accessible now. So, I, I like that, too, actually, when I went through the, the starting flow. I was kind of wondering two things. One is, like, I don't remember clicking on the title itself. I just, like, went to play a new game. And then I had the option. It said, like, I got another dialogue where it was, like, boy or girl. Yes. And I just, you know, select whatever I want. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, though, like, after you become a dragon, it, does that cease to matter, that choice? Uh, it matters again. When you beat the game... Okay, spoilers ahead. I'm going to spoil some stuff, but whatever. Just play it. Uh, Pause you, it. Play you, it. <laughs> yeah, go play it. You can you can beat it in half an hour if you speedrun it. Um, you can go back to your human form, and you can keep exploring. I don't know if I there's see. a specific reason to do it. I don't know if there's any, like, you know, final bosses. Actually, they did plant the seed. They said they're going to add more secrets. So I wouldn't be shocked if there was, um, you know, if there were more stuff to do. So they added more secrets already? Or is it, like, an ongoing thing they're going to continue to develop? I don't know if they're going to continue to develop I it. But I think what they did was, you know, I, I mentioned they reached out to the original developer. And they were like, hey, I'm looking for more. Because the game is littered with hidden doors. And there's some areas where, like... It looks like there's nothing here. It's a dead end. Like Castlevania 2 or something, right? And you just hit up to enter a door, and all of a sudden, there's a magical door that appears. 
there's like secret completely hidden doors um littered wow. throughout the game and that's what got the um programmer i'm trying to look up his name oh wait no i got it i got it uh omar mm, where's your last name sir okay that's all i got at <laughs> at Ocornut on twitter um he actually has a patreon as well but he just reached out and he was like, hey, I'm looking for more um, secret doors and there weren't any, right? Which that had to be a little disappointing, but at the same time, um, it opened the door for more secret <laughs> doors. So they mentioned uh, a few times that they're probably going to add some of their own that weren't in the original 1989. I see. So like they did Classic. They did add a little bit more <clears throat> content than was there originally. Yeah, but I think that it was done in a nice way where it's not like oh, here's a whole new section or an obvious route to go would have been, here's a whole new playable um, right. animal character because that's kind of the meat and potatoes of the game. I think that's cool, right? Because then, you know, it kind of... I feel like it's a nod to the original fans of the game, right? Exactly. It's like, yeah, you're going to know, you know, 99% of this game inside and out, but, like, there's still something for you to discover. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that's exciting. I think they did that in a clever way. And just like every time there's a decision for them to make, I just think they made the right one. Right. Okay. So I'm going to go through my notes now. And this is the stuff that I thought was really, uh, really great about it. Obviously the hand-drawn graphics look fantastic. The animations are incredible. Um, I, I just can't praise them enough. The music is also really notable because this is the kind of game when the credits roll, you know, like for us, it's music by Joshua Morse, which like, I mean, it just demonstrates how amazing it is that just one person can crank out such diverse songs, right? Yeah. But this game's soundtrack was rec uh, recorded with real instruments. So this is the kind of game where the credits, the the musicians far outweigh uh, just in numbers, uh, everyone else working on the game. There's like oh, 12 musicians. They play like this bassoon and bass and real drums and real violin, ukulele, guitar, like you name it. And like you listen to the music and you can tell you know, it's organic. It's, it sounds incredible. And it was made like the whole game looks, feels, sounds like it was made with love by hands, like human hands. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, it kind of goes back to that, like almost like hand drawn art style you were talking about before, right? Where you can see some of the imperfections and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. Like you can hear sometimes like fingers on the strings and stuff, you know, like it's not all just samples, which are, which are more than good enough most of the time, but when people do take the time to demonstrate, you know, musicmanship, if that's another word we're making up, you know what I mean? Just like, look, I, yeah. I play a real instrument. You can hear my breath going through this woodwind. It, it's like, I appreciate that when it happens. It's like a different sound and feel, right? Yes. Um, I thought it was interesting that they gave you the option to separately toggle retro visuals from retro music and sound effects. Yeah. Okay, I, I, I love that too. So I, I touched on this a little earlier. This was going to be my first complaint. Um, so you hit the right trigger, right? And the, and the screen does a wipe whoosh, yeah. whoosh, from old school graphics to modern graphics. And that's all you get. If you want to, you can change the music anytime you want and you can change the sound effects anytime you want from retro to modern. But if you want to change those other two, you need to go into the options. And like, you know, hit start, options, retro, jing, 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 select, select. I really wish they had tied everything like just toggle everything I've got right now to the right trigger. Yeah, I think I would have preferred that. I mean, I didn't really know about the right trigger thing, so it's hard to say. But um, like thinking about it now, I think that the right trigger should have been like a shortcut to full retro mode. That's what I wanted, exactly. Yeah. And so I was a little disappointed by that because, I don't know, it's kind of strange to be playing the game and you see, you know, these pixels and then you hear this like, you know, 
uh, real music playing. And sometimes I would come across a scene where I was like, whoa, this looks gorgeous. There's so much parallax, so much, there's like stuff moving in the background and there's so much like um, just little elements laying around and I hit the right trigger and you like, you can see how vacant it was back then, right? When they didn't have all these resources to work with. Right. But I want the full effect. I want to hear the sounds and I want the music to change. I want to do a a true comparison and not just the visuals, you know? Yeah. But I mean, you have that option. It's just not as... It's there. It's just not as accessible, not as fast. So, I mean, I, I was actually complaining and my wife was like, ah, it's probably technical limitation, right? Which, you know, maybe. Fair enough, right? But I know how to switch sound effects and music. I know how to do it in HTML5 where audio is terrible and it, it can be done in Unity, you know, like well, I mean, it, it's, if they can it do can it be behind done. two menu clicks, they could do it behind the right trigger. Yeah, so that's that's right. a, a you know a fairly prominent complaint that I have is I would have liked to have seen when you hit the right trigger, it just toggles whatever options you currently have set, right? So if you have you know retro sound effects, modern graphics, and modern music, you just hit the right trigger and it just flips a switch on each of those. Because the way that I, I would have played the game is I have modern graphics, sound, music, and then I would have hit the right trigger and I get completely retro, which is exactly what I wanted. I um, played it a little bit with the modern graphics and the retro sound effects and music, and I found that to be an interesting <laughs> yeah, uh, experience. See, to be fair, it is really cool that you can do that. I love it. Yeah. Um, I'll take this time to mention what I mentioned once in a while. I'm sure people who listen to the podcast a lot. My, is it, it's not Dark Savior. Uh-oh. 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 Can't remember the name of it. And heck, it Games Radar Review. Oh, my podcast brain is happening. you wrote a review of a game and it was really bad well and you're a terrible journalist well (laughs) well i can't find what it was called i actually forgot what what the gist behind that story was i'll think of it later um it was this rare thing where like a buddy of mine was working at games radar which is this um like game review uh website and stuff and he had you know more work than he could do so he um asked me to write a review of this game he thought was up my alley and he was right it was a it's a first person dungeon crawler and its whole gimmick like the the selling point right was that it's like inspired by retro games the true classic and um you couldn't just hit a button like you can in dragon's trap but you could go into the options and you could change it and it would change everything it would change the visuals the music the sound effects uh and they looked a lot different you know because it had the same modern thing going on mm-hmm. um I'll put a link in the show notes. It's really disappointed. I can't. Dark something. Dark corridor. First person dungeon crawler. <laughs> Damn it. Moving on. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's the only other game I can think of. Like, I'm sure other games have done it. It reminds me of the original East had this thing where um, for Turbo Duo, you could toggle between just the chip tunes or you could go to the CD music. But the reason they did that was not for like a selling point to my knowledge. I think the reason they did that was because back then when a track would start, the music would like and then play because the hardware was crap. Right. And they couldn't even do things like this, like um, pause the music. Right. So like if you're on the overworld in East uh, or sorry, um, this was a uh, dragon slayer. Dra- yeah. Dragon slayer. I'm getting I'm all over the map here. Okay, it was the Dark Spire. Okay, the Dark Spire. <laughs> I'm so confused. Yeah. Anyway, I'm all over the map here. There aren't that many games that do that, right? Where they toggle between retro and modern. Right. Like I, I can only, literally like, and you know, I'm a person who I make it my business to know this kind of thing. Maybe a handful, 
right? And that's one of the reasons I think it's so cool that the Dragon's Trap does this. Yeah. Um, and it kind of seems like, um, like a lot of things about this game sort of seem like anti-traditional remake, right? Right. Like, I wonder if they, you know, maybe they didn't have to fight for it at all, but like, you know, I wonder if the publisher was like, oh yeah, that's a great feature. And like, you know, we want to spend the time to make this happen, you know, versus like, oh, you know, is this going to make us money? Like, is this something we should spend time on? Blah, blah, right. blah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, like, so... I mean, it's really cool, but it is sort of like a gimmick, right? It is. It is. I have to admit. And I think... So, I, I remember giving um, the Dark Spire, I think it was 6 out of 10, like 3 stars. And I felt a little bad about that, because I was almost going to give it 8, because I, I really liked the premise. But it is kind of gimmicky. And my complaint was... My core complaint was that they had the retro feel down and the retro look down, but they also added the modern look and feel, but they didn't solve some of these retro problems. For example, in these retro dungeon crawlers, if you want to look at the map, you have to cast a spell and that costs you like, you know, three magic points or something. Mm. And that's a pain in the ass. Like that's some grindy crap, right? Like if I, if there's a map, let me pull it up. Otherwise you just, you're just being a jerk to your players. Here's another thing I didn't like about those games is I'm walking around, I'm grinding, I'm trying to gain some levels so I can beat the boss that killed me last time. And I'm going back to town, I'm staying at the inn, and I'm saving my game once in a while, and I'll grind for another 20, 30 minutes. And then, oh, like your average battle, let's say, it has like a thief and a slime, or a skeleton and a thief or something, right? Here's, I'm not exaggerating, this is this what has happened to me. Here's a battle, a random battle, 12 thieves. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like there's no chance in hell, my party will get wiped, right? So I'm like, okay, well, I just gotta run. Can't run. Attack, attack, attack. Run. Can't run. Attack, attack, attack. Can't run. You're dead. Right? And yeah. it's the, the equivalent of the game crashing. Right? If you look at it from a game design perspective. And they didn't take that crap out. And to me, that is crap. That's leftover crap from when the designers didn't have enough resources or didn't have enough experience to make a solid game experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like and they, they left over the garbage. Right. They didn't take that, that out. That's the kind of RNG that sucks, right? Like, any yes. RNG should be... You should have a chance. Yeah, right. yeah. Give me a chance. I mean, maybe. Um, what's the other one? The uh, what's the, <laughs> what's the one? The afflictions. I can't think of any game names right now. <laughs> the one that's out right now, Darkest Dungeon. Right, like yes. Darkest Dungeon players might disagree. They might be like, "That's the way turn-based role-playing games should. Be. You should just die sometimes. That's the way life is." <laughs> right. I don't know, but to me, well, it was like if you're gonna have retro plus modern, like give me modern game design too. Yeah. Well, that was like the whole thing with um, Shovel Knight, right? It was like retro aesthetics plus modern design. Right. Um, although I feel like with Dark... I mean, I haven't played a massive amount of Darkest Dungeon, but Darkest Dungeon kind of feels to me like I never got into that situation where I was like, oh, there's nothing I could have done, right? It's right. like, oh, I should have come in with fresher heroes or, you know... You pushed too hard. Yeah, like I, you know was letting my light go too low and I was facing difficult, more difficult monsters, <clears throat> excuse me, than I was prepared for. Or, or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, and, and I think it was that, the blend that kind of exacerbated the problem, where it was like, if I can turn on modern graphics and sound, then I kind of also want to turn on modern game design lessons. Does that make sense? Yes. And, and when it's not there, it kind of emphasizes... The, the issues that I had with these games from the 80s. 
And that's what brings me to my complaint section, my 10 <laughs> bullet points. Are you ready for this? Oh, I've been ready. Okay, so, so these are issues I've had with the game because the game is really faithful. These are issues I've had with the game since 1989. And I, I, I mentioned, I, I beat it when I was a kid. So I got past these problems. But as I'm playing this game again, because I didn't know what to expect. They said remake, they show screenshots. It looks amazing. For all I know, they remade everything from scratch. Right. They they redid all this stuff. They redid the collision and the f- game feel and everything, right? But no, it, it is ex- almost exactly like the original game, which means it comes with the 1989 problems, and, and they are here. First one, right off the bat, um, you start off the game, it's kind of a cool slant, is like you're already a superpower, you're, like, you're Wonder Boy. You have legendary sword, armor, shield. You have full heart containers, and you are a badass in that first dungeon. You just rip through this dungeon. You just kill everything. You get a boss. You kill the crap out of him. It's awesome, right? And then the the gist of the game is like this curse hits you, and now you're a dragon. And you have one heart, and I think your equipment is just gone, and you're now like the weakest you can be in the whole game. What is it? That's called something, isn't it? Yeah. The hero... <laughs> Stupid. I, I actually really like it a lot. I, uh, yeah. To me, whenever I think about this, I probably bring it up too much, but like whenever I think about this, it reminds me of the Force Unleashed. Yes, yeah, the Darth Vader, right? Yeah, where you just the beginning levels like you're Darth Vader, you have all the Force powers in the world, and you're just running through this village of Wookies, yeah, decimating them and like throwing them off the cliff. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it's great. It, it's a really good way to play the game because it shows you. Look at all this cool stuff this game has to offer. So many heart containers, the best weapons. You one shot most enemies. Like you're such a badass. But I no, um yeah. Like when I first played, you know, because I I had no expectations going into this game, right? And so when I played that first level, I was like, this like I put it on normal, you know. I was like, okay, the normal yeah. default. I was like, this is really easy. Like I'm <laughs> I'm because like I had you know like whatever like ten or eight or twelve heart containers yeah but it's not like every time you take a damage you lose a whole heart nope like you live like you actually this is probably a complaint i would have is that the damage system to me seems very vague right oh that's oh i got a bullet point right here that's on my list i was losing like not half hearts not full hearts but like slivers slivers of heart i'm like i don't i don't understand how much damage this thing is doing to me right exactly that's a major complaint that i have yeah um but yeah like i felt I mean, I guess I rightly felt like a complete badass, but it's sort of not understanding what was happening. I, I kind of didn't. It made me think, like, "Wow, this is um, this is this is really easy." It's going to be a cakewalk, right? Yeah, it's going to be a cakewalk. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that that game design approach wouldn't appeal to everybody. I think it's kind of cool. The beef that I have is that the game sets the stage with um, you start off as Wonder Boy or Wonder Girl. And you've got your sword and your shield and your armor, and it's all visualized on your character. Your shield actually matters. You can block stuff with it, right? Right. And then the very first thing you do, the whole kind of bit behind the game is you turn into various, um, like, animal people, right? So the first thing you turn to is, like, a dragon person. And gone is your sword and your shield and your armor, and you're just a naked dragon. But you still collect swords and shields and armor. And what they do is they just give you, like, attack, or they give you some defense, and your shield doesn't... you can't block because your dragon doesn't actually have a shield, but you can still equip a shield. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That being the first monster character you turn into kind of obscures the effects of your equipment. Right. And it's a little confusing because even me being a person who's played the game before, I was like, wait, should I even buy that sword? Cause I can't equip a sword as the dragon and I'd, and I'd buy and equip it and my attack would go up and I'd be like, Oh, so the sword, just the fact that I have the sword equipped makes my fire breath more powerful. That's a little weird. 
Interesting. I didn't get far enough into the game to to see that part. And it would have been less emphasized, I think, if the dragon was like the third character you turn to. I mean, I know it's in the title, The Dragon's Trap, but it's also the the fact that you're fighting dragons, like all the bosses are dragons. So I, mm. I don't know. I, I just thought that that was a little bit of a stumbling block to get over right out of the gate, right? And I'm, I'm nitpicking, I got to say. Like, I, <laughs> clearly the game is, is really cool and I think you should check right. it out, but... It's okay to, to criticize, right? Because it's not like, hey, you did a terrible job, you're, you're bad, <laughs> right? It's more like, you did an awesome job, but here are some things that I think could have been better, right? Yeah, and also, like, at the end of, of my complaints, I'm going to say something that kind of flips everything on its head and kind of turns it all around, Is right? it going to be a compliment sandwich? It will. It will be a compliment sandwich because I've spent the first, like, probably 30 minutes now just complimenting it. Um, I'm going to go through um, the part. And, and these are the things that are wrong with the 1989 original. You know what I mean? And And just the fact that they kept them in there is like faithful but still it's still there like it's still problematic so i have a sort of a nitpicky complaint too Ooh, let's hear about it. the first the first level right so you start the game and you go in and you're like in this hallway right and you're killing stuff and it's like super easy because you've got all these heart containers or whatever and you, you're going through these screens right and then there's a pit and you jump over it because pits are bad yep right and you go to the next screen and you go to the next screen and then you are back at the beginning again yeah, and it makes and a subtle little sound like bam, bam. Yeah. And you can easily miss it. Yeah, like and and I was like, okay, and like I didn't at first I didn't really understand that I was in the same zone I had just been in, right? Right. So, you know, like I transitioned the screen and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep going around. And I'm like, wait. I'm back like where I was before, right? So, I went through again and I went and I wrapped around and I'm like, okay. Like what's going on here, you know? Yeah. And so I did it like three or four times before I was like, okay, maybe I'm supposed to jump into the pit. Yeah. See, I really disagree with that decision so early on in the game, right? Because it's such a common thing, especially for these retro games to have repeating content. Like, okay, here's the same corridor three times in a row because, you know, memory or resources or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't see it. You don't notice it as much as you would if you had already experienced the game a lot and known that it's not something the game does. Like, we're not going to show you the exact same content over and over. So then you would notice it. But when you first start playing the game, you're like, am I in the same corridor? You don't recognize the sounds even because it gives you a visual or uh, sorry, an audio cue, but you don't but, know what that is. Right. Yeah. I mean, to, I honestly didn't even register that audio cue existed. Exactly. You know, yeah. You Why said would you? it just now and I don't even remember hearing it. I just remember I went to the right of the screen and then it transitioned to a new room and I was in some other corridor looking thing. And then as I kept going, I was like, hey, this is, this, you know, eventually yeah. it dawned on me. I was in the same area. I think that, yeah, my complaint wouldn't be that it exists at all. My complaint would be that it exists so early. Exactly. And I think that's the same kind of complaint overall about the dragon. I mean, it would never, it's never really great that the dragon, you know, you have a sword and you have a shield and you equip them and it matters, but it's not visualized. It's not really in the game. Like I'm still just breathing fire. But the fact that it happens first thing just kind of throws a wrench in the, in the flow, I think. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like, you know, going back to the force unleashed example, you know, it does a good job, and I think part of it is is due to the IP, right? Like, when you start out the game as Vader, it's very understandable that you're a badass because you're Darth Vader. Exactly. Yeah, like everybody knows just, Darth Vader's a badass. You just know he's a badass, right? Right. Um, but then when you get thrown back into kind of like the, um, you know, bad <laughs> character, right, or the, the weaker character, you know, you're still building towards that ultimate goal with like the same kind of core mechanics right so like you know in the example of dragon's trap it would be like you know oh you found a sword but now you're using that sword 
Right. As opposed to that weird, like you have a sword, but you're not really using it because you're a dragon, but it still somehow helps your attack. Right. And it's weird too, because the dragon really isn't off by one. Literally every other character that you can play as in the game, and there's like five or something, they all have swords and shields and armor. I see. So it's, it's a little weird. That does seem a little weird. Um, okay, here's another one. The the lack of... Okay, so there's sub-weapons in the game, which matter... They can matter quite a bit. There's stuff like... Um, you just kind of pick them up randomly. Monsters just drop them. And you can sort through them with the bumper buttons, I think. Like left and right. You can go through them. A lot like a Castlevania sub-weapon, right? right? They have a dedicated button. And so let's say you pick up a fireball. And you throw the fireball and it's like a projectile that kind of has like a sine wave pattern. Or the arrow, which is crazy useful, which just shoots straight up above your head. Or a boomerang, which goes and comes back. Like They give you um, projectiles as their primary use case because most of the monsters you play as in the game have just these tiny little swords. So it prevents you from having to get into the melee like danger zone, right? Right. And in the original, the animation, as I mentioned, was very sparse. And when you hit the sub-weapon button, you know, the arrow just like flies out of the top of your head and your character doesn't react at all. And same with it, all of the abilities, right? Which you don't notice that much because it's pixelated and the animation is already very sparse. But in this game, with every single thing, their attention to detail being amazing, like it's all animated and gorgeous. But because the game adheres so closely to the 1989 original, when you hit the sub-weapon button, the same thing happens. Where like everything is beautifully animated, but then an arrow just flies out of the top of my head. Right? I see. And it doesn't look super great. Hmm. Interesting. Um, here's a big gameplay one. Inconsistent collisions for player and monster projectiles. And you know what I'm talking about here. I right? do not. Well, this is the stuff, you know, we <laughs> talk about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in a wizard lizard, the zombies walking through spikes and you're like, why? And that's one of the things we wanted to do with the next game was like everything, like a Spelunky style, right? Or the roguelike style. Everything's in the same playing field. Everything follows the same, same rules. rules. Yeah. And this game has that, uh, a really big problem with that where I'll be like, you know, I can't attack you through there. Or I can't walk through there. And a monster shoots a projectile and I would expect it to hit that like a wall or something, but it passes through and hits me. Right. And it's, it's pretty obnoxious. And that's one of the things that made me stumble with the original, you know, that's sort of a, I mean, I agree with you in general, but um, I wonder like if that's the kind of thing they talked about, you know, like to be a fly on the wall in the design meetings mm-hmm. would be interesting. Right. Cause it's like, I could see that conversation going something like, you know, what would happen if we put all the collisions on the same playing field, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, we could, right? But then, you know, this certain section, you know, the difficulty is either extremely reduced, right? Because the way these enemies are placed and the way this level was designed was sort of designed with the thought that these projectiles can pass through whatever, right? And if you just right. change that, then it's like, oh, you've got this monster who's sitting behind this barrel or whatever, and like he's just shooting you and it'll never hit you. And so, it changes the difficulty drastically, perhaps. I don't the know whole, if that's true, but... Uh, absolutely. I think the whole game would be different because they used an identical design to the original. Like, all of the, the game elements are in the right place and the maps are identical. Right. Um, so, like, to an extent, you can kind of see that their hands are tied with some of the, you know, bad design choices, right? Right. So, it, yeah. And, like, these complaints I have are not really about the modern game. I mean, they're there, but it's more because the game was so faithful to the original. And, right. you know, with a game made in 1989, you're just going to have issues, right? Because back then it could have been a technical limitation, like, oh, we can't spend the resources to collision check monster projectiles against environment or whatever, right? Yeah, it could be. 
Um, here's another one. There's very few monster or trap warning signals. So they are there. Sometimes a, a monster will like open its mouth before it shoots you in the face with fire breath or whatever. But a lot of monsters just kind of like, bleh, they just do their thing. Like no warning, like a, like a, a crab will walk left or right and they kind of change your direction. Um, and you take, it's very sloppy because of that, right? Like I've taken a right. lot of damage where I'm like, dude, are you going to like raise your arm before you smack me in the face with your sword? Or are you just going to like, like no warning animation, no audio cue, nothing? So I think the term for that is telegraph. Telegraph. Right, like telegraphing an Telegraph. attack. Uh, I've seen uh, feedback. I don't love that, though. Telegraph. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, like a warning. Oh, yeah. Uh, a little bit of that, not nearly enough. Uh, you mentioned this one earlier. You can't you can't tell how much health you have or how much damage something's going to deal to you. This happened before where I have, like, three hearts, and I'm like, I'm fine, and an enemy touches me, and I'm dead. <laughs> You're like, why? Yeah, or, like... Um, that's the thing under the hood the game feels like you probably have 125 health and that's represented to you right now with three stars or hearts i would have rather just had like a number single bar then or a number right or a bar yeah a bar would be better too yeah like when you segment that kind of a health system into like discrete components like hearts i it just it screws me up i just I, it, it doesn't <laughs> don't work. like it it's it's the wrong visualization for for what's that happening number there. yeah it just is uh it doesn't feel great um here's a here's a major one this game you know largely probably because of the, the 1989 limitation 1989 limitations but there's lots of palette swapped monsters and what i mean is here's an identical monster this one's red that one's blue that one's yellow they this give one you takes no, two hits this one takes one hit yeah yeah no indication of difficulty and their behaviors change a lot too you might see oh you know the green ogre throws rocks at you the yellow ogre just walks around. The blue bat will dive at you and then breathe fire on you. The black bat just flies around, you know? Right. And you have to just kind of learn. Um, you know, like in an ideal world, you'd have different graphics for each. You would have something about, you know, a, a bat that's going to breathe fire at you says, you know, this, brat, this bat's probably going to breathe fire at me, right? Like a dragon tail or smoke coming out of its nose or just like some indication to give you uh like a warning right but nothing right. it's just like blue yellow pink whatever and you never know what they're gonna do and the sometimes the difficulties between them is really big right you might see like here's a bunch of blue bats are easy oh red bats what whoa and they, they deal crazy high damage right and their behavior is way different it kind of feels like they could have benefited from <clears throat> like the Mega Man design principles right of like and maybe they do this i don't know but like having you know seeing an enemy in an isolated scenario where you're safe ish from it at first yeah right and you can kind of see how it acts and it's like okay the pink bats like those things look dangerous like i saw one and i was in a safe spot and i saw it dive you know but it couldn't hit me right away so the next time you know when you're in a more precarious situation and you see three pink bats you know to be extra careful or whatever yeah so so this stuff is shown we talk about this a lot i'll put a link in the show notes the Mega Man sequelitis yeah where they talk about you know yeah the safe space and uh i don't feel like dragon's trap really does much of that um i do think it has good overall game flow you know like especially being in metroidvania it can be this tangled mess of like where the hell do i go right and i think the game has good flow and i think most of the monsters are in pretty good positions like there's definitely some slop in some areas where you're like how do you even not get hit there like this is crappy right but overall i think that it does uh, a pretty good job 
I think that, you know, the power spike in the beginning um, helps alleviate that a little bit, right? At least for the first few monsters, because I kind of found the snakes to be a little cheap at first. Yeah. Because it's like, they just sit there and you walk up to them and as soon as you get in range, they jump at you, right? Which, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a valid behavior. But like the first time you encounter a snake, you're going to get hit. Like, yeah, pretty much guaranteed unless you already know what to expect or you're approaching it in a really cautious manner. But, you know, most people like me are probably just going to like, like I'm like, you know, like I hit the button to, you know, shoot my sword or not shoot my sword, but to attack. And I'm like, okay, I got the attack. So I just start running and I see a snake sitting there and I'm like, okay, I'm going to run up to it and smack it. Um, and it's not a problem, right? Because like you don't, you hardly take any damage, right? Like in that first area, because you have so much health, you just, you could get hit by snakes all day and probably never die. Yeah, probably. We wouldn't know because it's just a sliver of a heart. But when you start, it feels like you have a thousand health and everything deals like one damage to you, but you don't know. The other thing that I kind of didn't like about the damage system was that it kind of felt like I could get like multi-stunned or multi-hit, like there were times where I would like yeah. jump on an enemy and like there would be, you know, what felt like multiple damage stuns in a row. Yeah. Like I would be like, you know, ow, 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 until you eventually stopped colliding with that monster, which to me kind of feels not great, right? Like I feel like when you get hit by something, right, you should either go immune or be knocked back clear of it in general. Yes. Um, and so, so, you know, like you get hit once, like that's your punishment, right? You lost, you lost some life. Although it could just be part and parcel with the health system, right? Like the, because the health system is so ambiguous, you know, kind of ambiguous and vague. It's like, you know, oh, it's okay if you took three or four hits in a row because it's still just, even when I was the dragon, like this happened as a dragon, I had one heart and I was still like, you know, only losing a sliver, right? Yeah. So this is my very next bullet point. The grace has horrible game feel and mm-hmm. I really think that this game is exceptional in its awful grace game feel. It's it's just rotten. You take damage and you start doing the typical flash and you become immune, which is nice, but you lose most of your control and you still take damage from everything. But like, um, I should change that. You no longer take damage when you're, when you're in grace, but you still get knocked around and your grace gets extended. And what ends up happening is when you get into an area where you would be getting hit a lot, you only take the damage one time, but you end up kind of like, it's like floating around with the knockback and your lack of controls. And when you're fighting a boss, especially these big dragon creatures that kind of go left and right, back and forth through the screen, this was a common thing is the dragon's charging at you, you, you run up to smack it in the face and it hits you first. And then it ends up pushing you all the way across the screen and you're like flying around with your grace going. You're not taking more damage, which is nice, but you still don't have control of your character. And the dragon doesn't like put you down. It just, it picks you up and the, and the knockback is kicking you around and now you're floating around on its head and it goes back to the other side of the screen. You're still floating around and you're like, what is happening? Can I land on the ground? Can I get my control back? You know, there would be times where you take damage and you don't get to control your character again for like five seconds. I'm not kidding. No, I know. I I didn't have that in a boss encounter, but I encountered that in some just random enemy, right? Like I jumped on its head and it wasn't like, you know, that wasn't a way to do damage, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do that. This is, this is not Mario. Yeah, and I was like, you know, basically clipping through, you know, it felt like a collision bug almost, right? Because I'm like yeah. stutter stuttering through this enemy during the grace period and like yeah it was definitely like three two or at least two or three seconds 
of too long right not being you're playing and you're like come on like <laughs> let me land you're like i get it i messed up yeah like i would almost rather die just just kill just deal more damage <laughs> just, to me. just kill me <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's really rotten and it's i think one like if i had to pick one thing that was like my single biggest complaint about the game when i was playing it originally it would be that is, is i hate how grace and knockback feels it's awful yeah um, i agree i played the game for all of about 30 minutes and and you, you felt the pain i felt the pain um similarly you feel this much less when you're playing the dragon but you got a little bit of this your tiny little sword is largely unsatisfying and yes. this is kind of remains tr- true throughout the game when you first start off you've got a sword and you hit the attack button and you literally just stick it out straight and it would be like a rectangular um collision box like a hitbox and there's no like wind up or anything you just just, just it's just like straight in front of you right right and you become the dragon first thing and the dragon has a projectile which you know those almost always have better feel than melee i feel like but the thing you become spoilers again the thing you become after the dragon is the mouse and okay so picture you you played as wonder boy right yes this crappy little unsatisfying sword the mouse is like half the size of wonder boy in every way including sword oh no so you have to get <laughs> right up on monsters and ting ting you have this tiny little like seriously this is the tiniest little weapon it's so unsatisfying and most of the players that you play at in the game um as in the game have that going on i see uh there is a lion you can play as who has this really great up and down like vertical slice and uh he attacks things a little above his head and a little below his head and the fact that he goes from up to down just whoosh whoosh it when you fight and you're near the end of the game when you get it when you finally get there you're like yes that's an attack that's nice. what I've been wanting the whole game is this satisfying like stroke of a sword, right? Whoosh. Well, it's kind of cool that you at least get that near the end, right? Because it yeah. kind of like ends on a high note at least. Well, it doesn't end there. You, you oh. There's also a bird man who has, it goes right back to the basic crappy <laughs> ting, ting, like little <laughs> stupidest sword. Yes. Well, then I, I take back my statement. <laughs> um, the bosses are simple and pretty decently designed. I like that there's not too many phases and they don't really get too complicated um but they are a bit spongy in fact the game itself the whole game is a little bit grindy there was a couple sections where i needed to just go back and forth and just get more gold and then i could buy the better weapons and that way i wouldn't have to play as well when i got to the boss right because there's so much slop in the game there would be times when i'd be running like through the you know dungeon to get to the boss and i would die just because i feel like it's a game with a lot of slop like I'm, i'm pretty good at it i think but I would just take a lot of damage. I don't know how to get through certain areas without just getting hit a whole lot. And I feel like the health system kind of plays into that slop, you know, because mm-hmm. it's this really ambiguous, like how much damage am I going to take? And like, right. You know, I kind of found myself like, as soon as I, you know, played through that first level and I kind of got a, a feel for like, Oh, you know, getting hit by a monster takes like an almost imperceptible amount of health away. Yes. I was like, Oh, okay. Like I'm just going to, slop it up like you know (laughs) give me the slop embrace it but like you know versus a game like spelunky where you're like i have four hearts and if i get hit by this thing i will have three hearts and that is bad yeah like zelda in general especially the earlier games i got uh i got half a heart left that's one hit right i have a whole heart i can probably take two hits right half a hearts right i don't even like half a hearts but i i can deal with it and then when they went into like the quarter hearts i was just like no (laughs) like don't make me do math i think that's the thing yeah with the health system right like (laughs) i don't want to be like okay i have four hearts which is actually 
you know, times four quarter hearts. So I have 16 hit points, depending, you know, on how much damage this thing does. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Don't make me think. Don't make me. At least right? don't make me think about things that are like worksheet problems. Don't if make Mary me think- has four hearts <laughs> and each heart represents four slices. Don't send me back to grade school. <laughs> I would say don't make me think about things that aren't me being a badass dragon. Right. Right? Like, I want to, I'm, I am a warrior. I'm a bird man with a sword. I'm flying around. I'm having a great time. And I'm like, okay, I got six hearts and I think does two and a half to him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to think about those problems. I want to fly. <laughs> right. I want to have a medieval fantasy adventure. <laughs> so, uh, the grindy nature, I think, is okay, though, because it is what it is. It, it's a Metroidvania with RPG elements, right? And, um, this is a great game to speed run because you can run through the game a weakling. You know, there's all these shops and hidden shops and gold you can get and power-ups and different weapons you can try, and you don't need hardly any of them. There's a couple that do specific things, like um, there's some swords you get that can let you switch between characters or uh, destroy certain blocks or make certain blocks appear and all kinds of cool stuff. But overall, you only need uh, two or three of those to get through the game, right? And I think the grindiness is okay in that regard, because if you want the powerful sword, you grind and you get it, and the boss is easier. And if not, just play better. Get to the boss and beat it. Yeah, I actually really like that design uh, in general, right? Like, kind of the organic difficulty reduction Mm -hmm. via grinding. Like, I think that it's a smart way to approach it, right? Because, you know, if you're great at it, then, you know... Then great. Then fantastic, right? Yeah. But if you're not, then like, okay, you know, just go go get a few more levels and, and you'll be fine, or whatever. Right. Yeah, so, like, it's kind of a complaint, but kind of not. And and that takes me, actually, to... You ready for me to spin all these complaints on top of their heads? I don't I, know. You know, we spent the last at least 20 minutes, probably, just with the complaint section after after praising it so much. Do you think my heart can take it? <laughs> I don't know. How many hearts do you have and how much damage? <laughs> right? Come on. Yeah, it's, I, it's good. I, w- I would say your heart can take it. Okay. Okay, so... I had, oh, like, when I was playing through the game, it was maybe halfway through, I was I was like, okay, I think I've landed on, I'm a little disappointed that the game is really just so faithful to the original and comes with all these problems from the 1989 original, right? And then I started reading the dev diary, or watching the dev diaries and, and thinking more about it and reading about the game and stuff, and I, I turned around, because here's two points, here's two reasons to make it as faithful as you can to the original, to, to remake the game exactly with just better visuals and graphics and sound effects. Number one reason, this is what the game is. It is the original game, right? It is right. Wonder Boy the Dragon's Trap. And you've got people like me crawling out of the woodworks being like, ah, I remember the game from 1989. I'm a fan. Here I am. I, I will show up and buy this modern version. If you change stuff, you will piss us off. You will unsatisfy, like some some portion of us are going to be unsatisfied. Yeah, right. Instead of complaining about the faithfulness, you would be complaining about the lack of faithfulness on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, it would be like, oh, the weapons feel too good. The right. platforming <laughs> is too tight. The graphics are too amazing. Don't the you guys think like, these... is too sane. Yeah, I understand. Like there, there's there's health bars, and I can see how much health I have, and this isn't faithful at all. And what a piece of garbage! And you you reduce the effect, the nostalgia, the the satisfaction that that certain players get from wow, they're remaking you know a, a game I loved as a kid, right? Right. So the more faithful they are, that problem just disappears. You do, you don't like it now. You didn't like the original either. That's it. Right. It's, it's simple. It's pure. I can't deny it. I can't argue against it. It's it's a it's a good decision. Here's the other one. Here's the other one. When you are given make a modern game, right? 
um, with all the programming capabilities we have these days, with a team of the size that these developers have, sky's the limit. Like I mentioned earlier, they they could have spun the whole game on its head, and made it make an open world 3D kind of thing, you know, like like a like Zelda or like Tunic. You're just running around like a <clears throat> like a 3D space, right? right? Not even a side-scrolling platform anymore. They could have done that. They could have done 2.5D and redesigned, like oh, it's more inspired by, but they redesign everything from the ground up. How are you ever going to finish that? How are you going to know which direction to take, right? <clears throat> the constraints, I think, were helpful. I agree, yeah. And I think that it kind of goes back to that point we were making earlier in the podcast about what would the ramifications of even small design changes on the overall Major. flow and yeah. design of the game, right? Like Exactly. You have to be really careful because that, you know, you could paint yourself into a corner. You're like, oh, we changed this thing and now we have to totally redesign like the last six levels because it just doesn't work anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you know, this would be a, a slippery slope is like, hey, you know, this particular boss feels kind of cheap and, and, and the grace knockback stuff feels really horrible with this boss. So let's just change the behavior a little bit. Or maybe we can add something. You know, I always wanted to see more particles or like I wanted to see, you know, uh, more telegraphing of monster attacks. And then you get in there and you start messing with stuff. And before you know it, you've spent you know, months rearranging everything and changing things. But when when your guiding principles throughout the game was you can hit the right trigger anytime and you switch back to the original, that right. gives you some very limiting constraints that are important, I think, for finishing. And the creativity is off the charts still, right? Like there are areas in the game where you can hit the right trigger and you look at these, the second master system original and you think, it looks fine, you know, it's looks like a decent thing, especially for 1989. You hit the right trigger, bam, there is a windmill in the background, there's clouds going by, there's some birds chirping, there's bushes that weren't there, everything is hand-painted and gorgeous, the idle animation is off the hook, like, there's plenty of space there to do really good work, and they did a great job of that. Yeah, I agree. I think that earlier on in the podcast, I was talking about, like, I sort of admired the constraint that they showed, or the restraint, sorry. Restraint, yeah, yeah. Like, not like being as faithful as they were, like it takes, you know, because anybody who's making something, you know, wants to improve it, right? And I'm sure like we were talking about before, to be a fly on the wall in those design meetings would have been interesting, right? Because I'm sure a lot of this stuff came up, right? Right. It's like, what should we do about X? Like X is kind of a problem and it makes it easier if the answer is no. The answer is, this is the way the original game did it and this is the way that our game is going to do it. And so like, that's just the end of the discussion. Focusing is about saying no. Yeah. Yeah. And so I really turned around because at first, you know, I I think I was kind of looking forward to some new, like, you know, these complaints that I listed, all these bullet points that that some of like some of them we shared, right? Like the grace and the sword feeling unsatisfying. I was kind of hoping for some of those to go to go away because when I was a kid, I didn't really have uh, the wherewithal to, to list stuff out or think about it too much. I was just like, I don't know. The game just doesn't feel that great to play. Like, I still played it, I still beat it, right? But right. I didn't even have the language, really, to describe what I didn't like about it. Yeah. And now that I can, I go through and I, and I mention it, and I'm like, yeah, those problems are still there. But at the same time, like, um, satisfying that that initial player base, like, I don't think anyone could complain, right? Like, oh, you changed too much. No, it doesn't, it doesn't exist. You can go back and play the exact original by changing other retro options, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, and then the, cons- and the the constraints, yeah. I, I think that um, it helped them finish in, in just a couple of years, and I think the result is is fabulous. I, I, yeah, I, really well done. I'm just, I'm really amazed. I think it kind of goes along with the principle of like doing one thing well, right? It's like they just updated the look and feel, or not even the feel, right? The look. 
essentially. Look and sound. I think feel is, is okay. Well, yeah. I mean, not not the gameplay. They didn't, they didn't really right. touch the gameplay. It's pretty much everything but. They were like, leave leave the game alone. Right. Right? Just make it prettier and sound better. <laughs> like, the simulation doesn't change. Right? Yes. Correct. But all of the trappings do. Yeah. Um, this is the last thing in my notes, and this is another kind of a, a gimmicky thing, but I just think it's so cool. Check this out. You can... So this is a password save game, right? This is not, you know, you could save your game in the second Master System original or whatever. Um, you can load your password save from 1989. Really? How cool is that? Huh. That's So like awesome. all of the... Yeah, I guess they, it makes sense, right? If the engine is that similar. Then, yeah. They're like, yeah. why in the world not? Yeah. Mm. That's so cool. good. So good. Yeah. All it's right. It's a nice uh, touch. It is. I, I'm really impressed. Um, I shelled out the full 20 bucks for it. <gasps> I didn't wait for a sale. Oh, my God. How's that oh, impossible? No. Um, it's like, I, uh, yeah. Travesty. It is. It is. Um, I shelled out the 20 bucks for it just this morning. Good for you. This is amazing. Yeah. They, they should, they deserve it because they had a whole team of, of like craftsmen, you know, and I went just like rocking on it. I wonder how well that game is doing, um, like, you know, as a, as a business endeavor, you know, cause yeah, it's hard for me not to look at stuff through that lens these I days. Know. I mean, I think it's awesome, right? Like when you say like, oh, we're going to remake this game that everybody liked, like it was, you know, whatever, whatever. That sounds great. You know, from a consumer perspective, you're like, why not? I love this. This is fantastic. Like fan service, et cetera, et cetera. Is that going to do well? Right. Like, it, yeah. Cause I imagine that the people like you are going to be a niche. Like, for example, for sure, if you, you know, a week ago before you mentioned this on the podcast last week or whatever, if you had said, Hey Jeff, have you heard of wonder boy, the dragon trap? I would have been like, no <laughs> end of story. End of story. And if I had come across that game on steam, I would have been like, eh. you know, I feel like I did see an article about it, but only because of that retro modern swapping gimmick. And right. I was like, I thought it was cool when I when I read the article about it. And I was like, oh yeah, that's like that's a very neat effect. But it certainly didn't want it didn't make me want to to purchase the game having never played it before. You know, I was like, right. oh, I can see how this would be a very cool thing, and and I think it is very cool. Um, but like that in and of itself is not enough to make me want to buy it. It goes so, back to that the multiple hooks, right? Right. Like you need multiple reasons to be into something. And sometimes, you know, it's that seventh time you hear about it when you finally want to buy it. I would love to know that too. I think that they did a lot of things right, which really work for the project. I think it has a high chance of being profitable for the people that worked on it. And that ranges from, um, they did the release like pretty bundled up where it didn't launch on everything, everything. Like they just did a Mac and Linux uh, release just recently. But it is available on Xbox, it's available on um, PlayStation and PC, like it's available everywhere and it's been translated into like a dozen different languages. They did a great job there. It's got a publisher as well as developer, which is, you get different core competencies going, right? It had to have been expensive to make for for a game like it because it is so rich in quality from the graphics to the set. Like, you know, hiring 12 or, or maybe even 20 musicians to sit in a real studio and record, that's not cheap, Right. Right. But it's got, you know, I think the cross-platform and the available in multiple languages and then all these interesting hooks, like it's not just a great platformer. It's also one based on a cult classic from the 80s. It's not just a modern remake. It's also one that's very faithful 
to the original that you can switch back and forth between and the password save. And there's just all these different things you can talk about that make the game notable. Like for all those reasons, I think it's got a great chance to be a success in the market. Yeah. Well, I hope it is. It's uh, It was enjoyable. I might actually play more of it. Yay. You should. That's a week. Uh, thanks for listening. Check us out on patreon.com slash lost decade games. And that's it. Thanks. Ship it. Oh man, I did not. Okay, an hour. We're over an hour and fifteen. Oh wow. I think I have I have selfishly um, taken hogged all, all this the time. Yeah, I so I hogged it all for. But uh, what can I say? I I'm infatuated right now. <laughs>